welcome to Nobody Told Me That, your source for candid business talk and stories. Your host is speaker and author Teresa Duncan. Sit back, buckle up, and hang on. things about having a podcast is that you can have guests come on the podcast and have a lot of fun with them and you end up not talking as much which is kind of cool one of my good friends is here with me rita zamora rita how are you hey thanks for the invite i love having her on here you guys don't even know i have been on her to come on my podcast for over a year now and i'm glad she finally decided to do it and thank you so much for being here i appreciate it thank you now, Rita is an author. She has a book called Get Found, Get Liked, Get Patience, Making the Most Out of Social Media. She is a speaker. She's all over the country. Many of you have seen her speak. She's at most of the big meetings. She has a lot of study clubs. She is a consultant, strategist, um, social media guru. I mean, she's really my go-to. So with all of the changes on social media, Facebook, ads, Instagram, all that kind of stuff, I really haven't talked about it, so I wanted to bring a marketing, nobody told me that, uh, topic in who better to do that than than you, Rita. So welcome to the podcast. And Rita has a uh, mascot with her, and it's Winnie, her little puppy. She's so cute. I say that because Griffin is in the other room separated from me, so I'm just going to use your mascot by proxy. (laughs) (laughs) How, How old is little Winnie? She's two and a half. She's so cute. I think I'm going to have to. If we get a delivery, you'll hear her. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to link a a picture in the show notes because she really is just so cute. You all need to see it. So (laughs) I just want to give you guys a heads up on how Rita and I met each other, you know, way back in the day, way more than 10 years ago or so. There were only a handful of dental blogs out there and she was one of them. I was one of them. And we were getting together for, we were all going to this meeting called the Academy of Dental Management Consultants. And it was in, I believe, San Antonio. I think it was San Antonio. I think so. So I get this email from Rita a couple days or about a week or so before. And she was like, hi, I'm a, I'm a blogger. You're a blogger. I mean, basically it said, let's be friends. And I said, yes. And we met each other for the first time there, talked, and we've been friends ever since. But that was back in the day when blogs were like, ooh, you have a blog. <laughs> and now, now, like, I don't know, are blogs still cool? Do you think blogs are still a place to be, Rita? I do. I really do. I think there's a lot of different options now for blogs. Um, You know, back in the day, I think there was just a handful of dental blogs back Mm -hmm. in the day. And now there's so many. Um, But there's also options instead of just a written blog, you know, you can do like your podcast, I think is kind of like a blog. It's just Mm -hmm. a different way of putting content out there. You could do video blogs or you know, on the different social media platforms. So there's a lot of different options, but I still think blogs or basically creating content is still radically important for whatever kind of business that you have. That's how you're going to get people to engage and help to share what you have to offer with them. They say that too, that content is king, right? So making sure that you have good appealing content. But before we get into the meaty part, tell people what got you started with social media. I mean, did you just wake up in a dental office one day and decide that you wanted to do marketing? Tell us everything. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it was a natural evolution because, as you know, I worked um, 
for a specialist for many years uh, in referral marketing. And before that, I was a treatment coordinator. So it was all about building trust with patients and um, patient relationships and that sort of thing. And so, you know, anyone I think that is into any kind of a relationship marketing, um, you know, type of business, it's a natural evolution to go from that traditional word of mouth and referral marketing into social media. So it was a natural evolution to start learning about social media and how you can keep in touch with people and communicate through that tool. And then it just grew to where it is today. Well, you were one of the first people on Facebook to really take the bull by the hand, by the horns and start talking about it. And I remember you were talking about relationship way before a lot of the Facebook kind of, I guess, other gurus came about. And I've always tried to, with my own marketing, remember that, that it's not about necessarily me. It's about the relationship between me and whoever the consumer is. Is that something that you think is going to change down the road? I mean, do we have to be mindful of other things or do you think the focus should always be on relationships? I think the focus should always be on relationships. I think it it has to be and especially as we've got a more and more integration with technology, um, those relationships are still really, really important. It's just mm-hmm. that now we have different options to be able to initiate them, to establish them and grow them. The technology that's coming around. So do you, are you talking about video? What else are you talking about? I think all social media, you know, it doesn't matter if it's video podcasting, you know, it's more of a, it's not as, interactive and, you know, you don't have the opportunity to engage necessarily like you would during maybe a Facebook live video or through content that you're posting on social media, mm-hmm. but they all give you an opportunity to share, even in podcasting, to share your thoughts and, you know, your perspective and what's going on in your head and allow people to kind of soak that in and, you know, and learn more about you and grow trust with you in that way. And that's a big part of relationships. When we look back at the early days of Facebook, um, the marketing was mainly like just kind of weird images, like happy 4th of July (laughs) and Thanksgiving. It was mostly like, here's the holidays, here's how we celebrate it. And now it's different. You see a lot more personality, you see a lot more office stuff. Do you think peeling back the curtain and letting, letting patients know more about the personal lives of people that work there or habits. I mean, is there a a line there that we need to be careful about? I think, you know, everyone has their own line. (laughs) So that's really important for some dentists. They might be comfortable, you know, or specialists sharing everything. And that's just kind of who they are. That's how their filter level is. And others might be on the opposite side of the spectrum where they don't want to share anything at all that's personable, you know, it's like, they're really concerned about privacy and that sort of thing. So I think every dentist, every specialist, every business owner has to have, you know, an awareness of what their comfort level is and, you know, let that kind of guide their efforts. I mean, this is not a time where you can be anonymous and have a successful business. I mean, you, you have to have a face for your business, no matter what kind of business you have. And you have to have some level of personality, you know, in your social media, because that's what people expect today. So if you have three dentists that you're 
you know, trying to choose from and one of them is anonymous and doesn't have any information and one of them only has, you know, two different photos on their profile photos and one on their website and and the other dentist has lots of different information about themselves and their team, then as long as that information that's being shared by that open practice, it's, you know, sharing a lot of photos and information about their team, as long as the patient is drawn to that, I mean, that's going to make the decision really easy for them because we don't have time to go and explore and learn about these other individuals that don't have a presence, you know, it's like, who has time for that? We need to know everything before we make a decision to see a new dentist these days. And it is nice when you go into the office, seeing the same face or seeing a friendly face, you are you kind of already feel like you know them. Do you have a, a bead on what the difference would be for an office in the city versus like in a small town where everybody knows each other? I mean, is, is there a difference in your approach when you have that that type of setting? I, I don't think I've ever asked you this question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it really comes down to, again, that individual, because I think some people might think, you know, oh, this practice is located in a really rural area and they might be very conservative about their privacy and that sort of thing. And But I've had dentists that we've worked with that have been from rural areas that have said, heck, you know, everybody in this town already knows my name. Everybody already knows everybody else's business. Like we're already <laughs> friends with each other in real life. So I'm going to friend them as a patient on Facebook or whatever. Whereas, as you know, like some experts and Attorneys might say, you know, hey, you shouldn't be friending your patients because it's a fine line there between that doctor-patient relationship and that sort of thing. But so, again, you have to kind of let every situation guide you. Um, In that case, if the doctor's saying everybody already knows everyone else's business and he's already friends in real life with all of the patients, then it's probably not going to make a huge difference to friend the patients on Facebook in that particular situation. Mm -hmm. But in another situation where the team might have set up a profile for the doctor unbeknownst to the doctor and then started friending all these patients and the doctor doesn't even know that his profile is friends with all these patients. We've seen that happen too. And I'm like, no, you know, that's a nightmare waiting to happen. So yeah. (laughs) So it just depends. Do you ever talk to the staff about their own personal Facebooks and what that's supposed to look like? Because like, say I'm looking for a podiatrist, for example, and I go to their site and I see who like a lot of feet, feet, right? (laughs) And uh, say I I notice somebody works there. I go to their profile and they're like in a wet t-shirt contest or, you know, whatever. (laughs) That would kind of put me off a little bit just because I'm like, whoa, this might be a wild office or whatever. Do you ever talk to the staff about the way things are supposed to or way things are viewed out there? Well, yeah. And you can look at it on the other hand in that if that particular foot doctor was looking to attract other patients that are into that sort of thing, then maybe <laughs> that could be a marketing win. It's like, oh, here you Bring go. bunion so. to our office. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's another show. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But I think, yes, there's um, HR people that could probably better address that question because there are limitations on what you can and can't tell people to do. And you can have your social media guidelines and your HIPAA manual is going to outline all of that. Or I don't know, what's your HR manual, not your HIPAA manual. But, you know, 
all of your HR manuals and that sort of thing. So you should have a social media policy for your practice, whether you're into social media or not, you should have one. And you should probably want to talk to Jenny Hegarty, our friend Jenny Hegarty, about that in more detail. I'll put a link on that, on the show notes for that, because, you know, Jenny's really good with that. She's a SHRM. I think that's a certification yes. the Society of Human Resource Management. So she's a go-to for us as well. So yeah, I'll put that in there. That's a good call. I know, you know, I hate to put that on you, Rita, but I was just wondering, and you're just right here. So I was going to ask. I know. <laughs> yeah. And I used to be, I mean, back in the day when you and you, you used to be really, you still are. I mean, you're kind of my go-to person. I'm like, Teresa, have you heard about this, you know, with social media <laughs> and stuff? But, you know, back in the day, we would say, you know, you should do this and you you know, you shouldn't do that. And there's social media etiquette and all this stuff. And I mean, to a certain extent, it's kind of everyone's doing what they feel is going to be best for them. You know, there's a whole wide range of dentists and specialists that are doing different things on Instagram or on Facebook and things that we probably would have been shocked about five for sure, 10 years ago. But now, the dentist, they, they all have different filters and different goals and different comfort levels. And it's sort of a, everyone's going to kind of do whatever they feel is in their best interest. You know, hopefully they're doing it, knowing what their values are and what they're comfortable with and what sort of brand they want to portray. Because as long as you're within those parameters of this falls within my values and within my goals and how I want to be perceived, then I say, you know, knock yourself out. Whereas back in the day, I think we would have tried to control that message more and said, you know, you should look this way. And I mean, that's kind of across the board for all businesses. You're seeing things that you're like, whoa, I didn't even think we would ever have that level of transparency or, you know, availability to those, that level of authenticity. Yeah, no, you're right about that. I mean, Dentistry is pretty conservative on its own already, but when I look at Instagram and some of the dentists that I know and see on the road, I mean, I'm seeing them, they're on the beach or they're hunting or they're, you know, modeling or whatever, but it's, it's not what I would expect from, you know, a business 10 years ago, but you're right. It's definitely more transparent now. So not only are you seeing the doctor, but you're seeing the doctor and all who she is. Yeah. It's them being their true self. Yeah, it's kind of cool in a way. And, you know, as long as it doesn't get sleazy, I'm good with it. I'm not down with that. But there's you know. got to be a dentist for everybody. But... That's true. That's true. <laughs> you know? Well, and let's talk about it because you said there were different mediums for different people and you mentioned Instagram. So let's talk about that for a second because Facebook has been the, the big one for so long. And now, of course, mm-hmm. you know, Instagram is here in their own, you know, Facebook owns Instagram. Do you have, you have clients who are only Facebook, only Instagram, or are you recommending that it's both, uh, that you do both? Yeah, well, I definitely recommend that you do both Facebook and Instagram, as long as you have a practice that's wanting to attract clients or patients from those different age ranges and those different um, social media 
um, demographics because there are some practices out there where the dentist really only likes Instagram and they have gone crazy with Instagram and they're Instagram influencers and they're just killing it on Instagram and they may or may not have any interest in Facebook. Their Facebook may be non-existent or just flat and that works for them because maybe they're working to just attract the demographic that's really active on Instagram and Facebook lost a couple of percentage points the last couple of years with all the privacy scandals and, you know, the politics that are on there and that sort of thing. And Instagram was growing like crazy. The senior population is one of the populations that's continuing to grow on Facebook, not very rapidly, but it's continuing to grow, whereas the other demographics are flattening out or even dropping a few percentage points. So so we'll have to see. But, you know, if you're interested in attracting patients from the Facebook demographic, then you should absolutely be there, be active there too, not just Instagram. Well, it's funny because my son has always called Facebook the old people social media. <laughs> or the F word. <laughs> so, but and then, and then he ended up having to get a Facebook because uh-huh. his professors and his, some of his um, JMU, you know, <laughs> university stuff. So he was like, oh, I'm on Facebook now. So it was pretty funny to see that happen. Yeah, so, I I, I'm, <laughs> so I'm guessing people his age, you know, as they get older, they'll start to see there is a reason to go to Facebook because Facebook, the groups, you can't beat the groups. Some of the dental groups are a little scary, but some of the B2B groups, the business to business groups are really wonderful. One thing that does confuse me about Facebook and Instagram, and and hopefully you can clear this out, is the ads. So I don't know. I've never done an Instagram ad. I've done some Facebook ads, but I don't know if I did really well at them. So can you explain why someone would want to do ads on either medium and what what is your personal opinion of them? Yeah, let's do, let's talk about ads. But I did want to also add one other tidbit to what you had said about Facebook and with the kids on Facebook, because I think that is really interesting, Teresa. I saw that as well. I did a course for the University of Louisville, um, their dental school. They have like a dental business um, curriculum as a part of their dental school. And so the last two years in a row, I did um, a virtual presentation for them, and it was so cool. I mean, I always like to be able to see what the state of the students is when it comes to social media. And we did a poll on how many students were using Facebook and Instagram, LinkedIn, um, and the majority were using Facebook and Instagram I think it was pretty equally LinkedIn. There was like one person using it. I'm like, okay, give it another year or so and you'll probably be up there. And so I thought that was pretty interesting, but you know, they had a private group on Facebook for them, for their class to be able to interact with one another and that sort of thing. And so I think that, you know, Facebook has evolved into you know, we're not just using it to keep up with friends and that sort of thing anymore, but we're using it for professional purposes. And I I also think, you know, those neighborhood groups are really important. And I see so many parents that are posting pictures of their kids, like, here's my daughter with her Girl Scout cookies, you know, or here's my teenage, you know, son who's looking to mow lawns or whatever this summer. And I'm like, okay, are these kids going to say, Now we're not going to access Facebook at all at any point. I mean, they're already on Facebook, even though they're not on Facebook. And, you know, for the groups where people are already well-established, wouldn't it just be a natural 
evolution for those kids, like you said, with Noah, who's like, oh, I'm on Facebook, but it's like, <laughs> you don't really have a choice because it's become so established for us to be able to communicate there. So it's kind of interesting to see how Facebook could continue to evolve and really be a big part of everyone's lives, because unless Instagram is going to open up groups and have some of these other options for people to share reviews and things like that, there are still things about Facebook that are unique and kind of ingrained in our society now that I don't think we can really ever get away from easily. Yeah, that's true. It is really a big part of the whole makeup of the country, even, you know, the way people communicate with each other. So no, thank, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, it is it is interesting to see that the students are starting to come back around. So. Yeah, I wanted to geek out with you on that conversation. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right, so let's geek out about apps. Okay. What do you think? Oh, you know, I think the biggest thing we have to clarify because people are always like, what is the difference between a boost, a boosted post and a sponsored post and an ad? And essentially they're all the same thing. There's some different um theories behind them that you should kind of think about, but essentially it all means like you're paying Facebook or Instagram money to get your content shown. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you don't get caught up in the language of all of that. I think everyone um, that has a business on Facebook and Instagram should be paying to a certain extent if you want to get your content seen. Otherwise it's going to be severely limited unless you have some crazy unicorn presence that's like, you know, oh, it's so wild or engaging yeah. or whatever. And there are those out there, those influencers out there that can get a lot of visibility and a big following just because of who they are. But for the average Joe, for the average Joe business out there, you have to pay. I and mean, even if you are an influencer and you have a big following, you know, paying at, at those certain points can be beneficial for you depending on your goals. So I think everyone should have a budget that they have um, set aside so that they're, you know, paying Facebook or Instagram to get better visibility and extend the shelf life of their content. So are you talking then that you say you have, need a budget? So is this a, a recurring budget then you recommend not just doing a, you know, an ad and run and, but you want something consistent. Is that what you're saying? For sure. I mean, just to be seen, you know, you want to be able to have people see your content once in a while, you know, I mean, you not just once in a while, but you want them to see it consistently. And in dentistry, we do have that fine line where you want people to see you, but you don't want to overstep your bounds because patients are going to be like, what the heck? Why am I seeing my dentist in my feed constantly? You know, it's like they'll see you on occasion. So you want to boost posts. I mean, we would recommend for our clients that you have boosted posts like three times a month, you know, sort of spread out and not have the same topic being boosted every time. Because again, people are going to be like, holy cow, Dr. So-and-so and the dental implants, you know, or why am I seeing this snoring machine, like sleep dentistry thing constantly, <laughs> like then they'll just hide you and then you're done. Yeah. So you want to promote a variety of different things that are beneficial for the patient, but also that the patient can enjoy and interact with. So you might boost something about a patient giveaway. You might boost something about happy holidays or a reminder that your insurance benefits are expiring or renewing, or, you know, then maybe something that's a little informative about 
the clear aligner therapy that you offer, like ortho FX, for example, or the dental implants that you want to promote or whatever it might be. So with ads on Facebook, so I've done a few. And one of the things that always has frustrated me with Facebook ads is I have to really like, usually it's a second time around. Like I have to submit it and then they go, no, there's too much this and not enough that. <laughs> and then they send it back and I finally get it right. And I haven't done that on Instagram. Is it, is it harder to get a Facebook ad approved rather than an Instagram ad? Or is it the same thing? I think, you know, it's the same thing. I mean, Facebook owns Instagram. Instagram, I should say, Instagram is more still Wild Westy <laughs> in that you can get away with things on Instagram that you can't do on Facebook giveaways and contests, for example, that sort of thing. Facebook has their engagement bait rule for Facebook where you can't ask people to share, you can't ask people to tag. I mean, there are all these rules that you have to follow or they'll put you in Facebook jail, which is a real thing. And you can get away with all of that on Instagram right now. I mean, who knows if that'll change next year, but um, you can get away with a lot more on Instagram than you can on Facebook. How long does Facebook jail last? That sounds awful. Well, we had um, an experience with it. We've had an experience with it a couple of times with our business um, in particular, where Facebook has come back and said, hey, you can't do that. And what we can do is limit your visibility. And if it happens again, we could deny you access to your account, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, what the heck? I mean, that was really scary. And then Last year, I went to a digital conference here in Denver, and one of the social media managers for Wired Magazine was a speaker and said we were in Facebook jail for a while because of a rule that was introduced that we were unaware of and didn't realize we broke it, whatever, and had our visibility significantly reduced for months. And it's kind of a random thing. I think, I don't know, whatever Facebook's technology determines, you know, that you're breaking the rules and they put a lockdown on your account. So it it does happen. That's a huge magazine. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I know. They probably had to answer to all of their sponsors as well. Oh my goodness. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. So now Facebook has stories. Instagram has stories. What's your take on stories? Mm -hmm. Stories are awesome. I think they're, you know, there's a great opportunity there. Again, as long as you don't overdo it, because people would be like, you know, what the heck? My dentist is like constantly in my Facebook stories or my Instagram stories. And unless you're like the dancing dentist or, you know, you have some unique thing that people are going to engage with on totally adore, you have to be careful. But I think you can use Instagram and Facebook stories to get attention, you know, and if you're using them in the right way. So don't post the same thing that you do on a regular feed on your story. Make it something fun and use some stickers or little video snippets or whatever it might be to be interesting and engaging versus just repeating the same content everywhere. So I just realized maybe I'm not doing it right with Instagram. <laughs> Thanks, Rita. You know, no, I, so so here's what I do with my Instagram is I take the post that I did <laughs> on Instagram and then I take that and turn it into a story, but I add all sorts of stickers and stuff Yay, on it. Okay. Is that okay to do yeah, that? Of course. Okay. I mean, you're adding some movement and something different and engaging and not everyone's going to see everything You know, so I mean, if you were doing that where you're like, this is my formula, I'm going to put the same post everywhere and put it on my stories. And it, Mm -hmm. I mean, after a while, the 
the jig is up and people are going to figure it out and say, you know, forget it. I'm not going to follow her anymore, or I'm just going to narrow you down to one feed. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'll just follow you in one place and that's it. Well, and on LinkedIn, it's a totally different conversation as well. Like I can't post some of the stuff that I do onto LinkedIn because that's more of a professional business atmosphere. Are you recommending LinkedIn for your clients as well? I, I love LinkedIn and I think LinkedIn has gotten more engaging and gotten more fun even in the last six months or so with the introduction of the reactions now. So instead of just liking things, you have the different options and I think there's huge opportunity there for B2B businesses, business to business businesses like specialists or dentists, you know, dental consultants like us. Mm -hmm. And then for your um, general dentist, you know, you can have a personal profile and a company page. So I would recommend you take advantage of that free online real estate, but it may not benefit them to be as active there as it would be, you know, if you're in a business to business type of situation. So you have a personal LinkedIn and you're saying the office should go in and create a professional page on LinkedIn for the office. Sure. You can have a company page for your okay. practice and okay. post content there on occasion. Okay. So that's just another, like you said, free real estate. So mm -hmm. why not? There's another piece of real estate that I'm still confused about and it's the new Google My Business. Oh. I'm still trying to figure this out because I tried to verify and they said they had to send me a postcard or something. And I was like, what? So I'm still figuring that out. So help me, help me, Rita. Yeah. That. Well, I mean, I think for our, you know, dentists and specialists and brick and mortar businesses, for me personally, I think the jury is still out on non brick and mortar businesses for that. That's something for another day, but for sure, dentists, specialists, and anyone with a brick and mortar um, business should absolutely be on Google My Business because that's where your Google map to your business and your reviews live. And a lot of practices don't know that you can also post content there. There was a, a study out recently, I can't remember what it was. It was like almost half of the businesses that are on Google My Business don't even have their website plugged in to Google My Business. And I'm like, what? That's like your biggest I think it's your most important piece of online real estate is your Google My Business profile. Really? Okay. So because Google indexes everything, is that why? Google owns it basically. And there's been a conversation also out there among marketers that says, at some point, would you even need a website if everything's on Google My Business? And it's the first thing that comes up when people Google you. Mm -hmm. um, you can click to call them, you can click to get directions, you can click for their hours, you can see photos and get a lot of other information there. So why would they go to your website? You know, it, we're not at that point yet, but it does yeah. give you something to think about. Well, it, it, actually, that makes me pretty happy because having to host a website for my business, I'm not bricks and mortar, like, like you're not brick and mortar. You know, the hosting is a lot and then paying somebody to upkeep it and all of that. And if it's all in one place, it saves the patient a click or a client a click. I'm all for that. It's just scary though, because Google really is like, if they own everything, everything. So it is a little freaky. Yeah. I mean, imagine how that would disrupt, you know, website businesses. Like I said, we're not there yet. And I think websites also offer landing pages, which is another conversation, you know, for another day, that's still a unique, um, you know, a, a unique thing that you can 
you can offer um, to really engage people when they come visit you, especially off of social media ads and that sort of thing. You know, that's really still very important. But um, but your Google My Business profile so, so important. Um, so here's an interesting tip that a lot of people may not know about. Google My Business actually has a business page on Facebook. So um, if people have questions about their Google My Business, they used to have a phone number that you could call and I would share it during my presentations and people were like, oh my God, I can actually call Google. But now they've removed that <laughs> option. I'm like, we maybe I refer too many people. I don't know. But new thing now it's sprouted up, at least that I noticed recently and it's on Facebook and I noticed that they're asking some people to message them with their questions. So I guess if you have a Google My Business question, you should probably go and try to get it addressed on their Facebook page. Isn't that interesting? That is wild. So, (laughs) okay. So people, that was the, nobody told you that of the episode really is that Google, my business is out there. And I'm willing to bet that a lot of people haven't heard of it because I just kind of stumbled on it. I read one of your posts. I think you had put something out about it. And I was like, what is this? Because Google Plus had kind of come and gone. Is this like Google Plus 2.0? Is that basically what this is? No, they just killed off Google Plus. (laughs) um, But you do have an option with Google My Business to post content. And a lot of businesses don't know that. Mm -hmm. Um, That's another way you can take advantage of that free additional real estate on your Google My Business profile. So every seven days... That content that you post on Google My Business gets archived. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not completely gone, but it gets archived. And then patients would have to click on a button to see your previous content. But that means that every seven days, you you should want to be posting on your Google My Business profile so that you're keeping up you know, something fresh and something that might be engaging for patients there on your profile. That's phenomenal. Thank you for that, because I now I need to work that into my rotation as well. <laughs> So you're providing Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Google My Business. What else are you providing? Because I know you have you have the service called Connect 90, which I have to say, Rita and I are have been good friends for a while. So I've kind of been a part of this watching it come to fruition because she's worked so hard on it. And it's not there. I know you don't have a website yet, but you're already you've already got clients on it and you're taking clients on it. So it's called Connect 90. And when it comes out and you have a website, we'll get you back on. We'll talk more about it. But what are you doing with Connect 90? Tell people about that. Yes. Well, I mean, over the years, Teresa, since you and I were talking about social media, even 10 years ago, I mean, we keep evolving and changing our services based on what our clients are asking us for. And And we have for a long time offered custom social media marketing services, which is great for dentists who don't have time, you know, or specialists to do it, or they don't have the interest or the skill set. And they're like, please just do it all for us. Do the boots, (laughs) do whatever, just we'll give you pictures and make us look awesome. So we still do that. And that's great. But we've had more and more clients that have approached us and said, we have someone on the office that's great, you know, that could be a great candidate for this, but they need help with ideas or they need, you know, someone they can turn to for support on occasion, or, you know, as you know, Teresa, I mean, it kind of takes a village today because, you know, we have Google My Business, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, you know, so even me with a team, every once in a while, we're like, oh my God, did you know about this? No, no, you know, so Mm -hmm. it takes a village. We wanted to create a service that was affordable 
for dentists that have someone on their team that can do this, but they need some support, they need ideas, they need structure, and they need to find a way to get some systems in place for a strategy every month. So we developed this program, and it's called Connect 90, which was born from Connect, connecting with patients, essentially is what we're trying to do here, connect you with patients. And the 90 comes from this program. If you use it within 90 minutes a month, you can have an awesome social media strategy that works for you. That's really seamless and consistent. So that's where the 90 came from. Thank you. (laughs) So let me back up a second, because, you know, I, this podcast is mostly managers and dentists with a few dental assistants. Yay. I'm hearing from more and more of you. Um, What, what I, here all the time is I just don't have time. I mean, you're hearing that too. The managers I talk to are like the ones who rock everything in the office. And so adding one more thing, the social media, they all thought it was great because yeah, I'm on Facebook, so this will be good. And then they realized it's way more work than just <laughs> liking people's posts on Facebook. So say a manager who already feels a little bit stretched out, maybe he or she wants to do this, but then she's like, oh, I got to get up to speed on it. How long does it take for you to acclimate them to the program. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. It's a very intuitive program. Um, so it's, we have essentially it's an online calendar that we use and we provide content suggestions for them for the month ahead. It's not, not too little, not too much. You know, there are consultants out there that are like, you should be posting every day. I, I absolutely disagree with that. I think it's just, it's too much. It's just too much. It's too much for the patients. It's too much for the team. And if you're boosting a couple of times a month, you're going to get far greater visibility through those boosts that you might have a 25 or $50 a month budget. That's going to give you significantly, it could be a thousand times better visibility than if you're posting every day. I think it's really about that quality, you know, have a few quality posts that are planned that are also going to help to support your goals. So that's something we remind the practice of is, you know, what is it that you're trying to grow in your practice? Most dentists know, they'll say, you know, it's our clear aligner therapy, or it's our dental implants, or we want to let people know about whatever it is. We just, we're accepting more referrals, but they're not posting about that. And so they end up just posting about a lot of random things or a lot of really good social stuff. But when patients are considering their practice, they're going through and scrolling through their feeds Mm-hmm. And they're not seeing any of those treatments. They're like, oh, I didn't even know you did, you know, clear aligner therapy, or I didn't know you offer dental implants or whatever. So we're making sure that we're integrating that business aspect of those business topics, as well as the positive, you know, social stuff too. With having, oh, I hear Ariel. Is that Ariel? <laughs> She's screaming <laughs> back there. She's like, my food. The bowl is getting empty. You know, she comes first, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) When you're on Facebook and looking at the content that's posted by these offices, what I always, what I notice the most is they, there's no call to action. And that kind of has always bothered me. Like if you're going to post, you know, it should be, there should be something, a call to action or something, you know, in, in the sponsored post, or even, you know, in the, we have a service dog, come in and see our service dog, something like that. Are there other things like that that bug you when you see posts on social media? Like what's your big pet peeve? Oh gosh, (laughs) you know, there's two big ones. I mean, the one is like, just, I've spoken about it so much. I'm like, really, does anybody not know? Like just 
posting, you know, generic content that's not applicable to your, to your practice or that's really unattractive. Like when you think about it, we absorb messaging without even reading words. So things like money in a trash can, I really don't like to see that on a dentist profile. It's like, really, how is that going to have a positive association? It's not. Don't put money in a trash can on your profile. The other one is how much saliva we produce. One of my team members, Lindsay, I thought was going to gag. She's like, oh, take it off. When they were like, you produce a wine bottle full of saliva every day or something. And she was like, seriously, I'm going to get sick. I was like, okay. So these are real posts that we see on practices, social media that I'm like, no, we want it to be a positive association. So positive messages, positive, you know, images, we really pay attention to those nuances. And then the other thing is, there's another practice recently that we saw, they were paying a service, and the service was posting a bunch of content and then linking to all of these random different sites on the internet. So they would have an article related to dentistry, but it would point to like USA Today or CNN or something else. And I'm like, you do realize like when you pull people out of your dental Facebook and you point to these other random websites that now you're, you've lost that patient. It's okay to do it on occasion, but not all the time. So that, that really just irks me because I'm like, I feel really bad because the practice is spending money on a service that's actually hurting them. It's not helping them at all. Clicks to need to go either to your site or, you know, use the article, perhaps like put up a bit of the article and say, well, here's our thoughts and, you know, ask us our opinion or something like that. But But you're right though, to take them totally off of Facebook and out of like, once you're out of sight, you're out of mind. Right. So I, I totally see what you're saying with that. And we talked earlier about blogs and so forth. So are you, is your Connect 90 helping with that as a topic as well? Or is that something that's coming or what are you doing with blogs for Mm -hmm. your clients? We don't really do anything with blogs for our clients. Um, We work with a lot of other professionals who do blogging for their clients. Um, For example, like Great Dental Websites, they're our friends. We've partnered up with them on a lot of different projects and they do you know, custom blogs for their clients. And then there are other people who write custom blogs for dentists out there that we refer to as well. So, so we sort of stay out of that. Anything that's really traditional, like website management or SEO related outside of social media, we, we stop there because there's enough to keep us busy. Like I said, just with everything going on with social media. I know you don't do this. I I know for a fact, you don't do this because you're just too ethical, but there's so many (laughs) out there that that steal other content, you know, steal other posts. And (sighs) that's another big pet peeve of mine. So be careful of that because if it comes down to it, you're, that's your reputation. So you want to go with someone who can come up with content or help you come up with good content. Cause I just saw that happen professionally. Um, uh, somebody used a hygienist used a blog post that a dentist put up and it was word for word. And I don't know if she thought maybe somebody else copied it or maybe somebody else wrote it and they copied it or she copied it. I don't know, but now there's a stink on her. And I kind of think maybe it's not, she's not genuine. So you don't want that. I mean, you definitely don't want that. Do you have an example of a dentist that's really doing well? Like what does that look like on his or her Instagram or Facebook page? Like, What does that look like? 
Yeah. Well, I think for Instagram, you know, there's a couple of examples of dentist Instagram influencers that are out there that are doing everything right. And, you know, it's, it's that they're really paying attention to their content and they're planning ahead. You know, it's not, you can't have a strategy if you're not planning ahead. And that's a big part of our Connect 90 program too, Teresa, is that like we're encouraging people to just think ahead about what you want instead of just being spontaneous because sponta- spontaneity doesn't have any room for strategies. So what these practices are doing right is thinking ahead about what type of patient they want to attract to their practice. In one case, it's really um, cosmetic makeovers. It's smile makeovers. And their whole Instagram is all focused on smile makeovers they partner with influencers in the Instagram world. So they've been really smart about who they work with as far as patients, set up some sort of an arrangement with them to have an influencer relationship. And um, when you look at their Instagram, it looks attractive and appealing, you know, in that particular case where it's all about smile makeovers, you know, so they've really paid attention to their branding and their imaging and consistency in the way things are laid out. Okay. Well, so if somebody wants to get in touch with you, we'll put the um, information on the show notes, but tell people how to get in touch with you. Oh, the best place to to reach me is on my website through a contact form, which is readazamora.com. You can email me, of course. I mean, I'm lucky I have a unique name that if you just Google it, Rita Zamora, hopefully most of my social media stuff and you uh, should be really easy for you to connect with me <laughs> well and they, if they can't find you they need to call you because that's not right so <laughs> people still call what <laughs> what <laughs> so the connect 90 i'm i'm super excited and i think that's going to help so many especially the the managers that are just like so swamped nowadays so that's going to be good. And your book, I really, really love your book. I give it out when I can. If you are in an area, in a place where Rita is speaking, typically Care Credit will sponsor book signings for her. So if you're, if you get a chance to see her speak, keep an eye out for that. But also you can find it on Amazon and on her website. So it's get found, get liked, get patients, making the most of social media. And that's a good way to kind of dip your toe in the Rita Zamora water to get a flavor of what she's about. And then check her out on Facebook, check her out on Instagram. And oh my gosh, we never talked about Twitter. Do you even do anything with Twitter anymore? I kind of just let it go. <laughs> I am still on Twitter. I mean, people who love Twitter are still really active there. For example, like Kevin Henry, you know, he loves Twitter. I think that mm-hmm. might be his favorite social media tool he might've mentioned um, to me yeah. recently, but for most practices, I would say it's not really worth your resources. It's you know better to use your resources for Facebook and Instagram than Twitter. It just moves so fast. Like I just can't, I can't keep up with it. It's exhausting. So <laughs> Kevin likes sports too. Cause that's another reason that I think he likes it so much. Cause that's perfect for sports. Still good for news agencies. I think celebrities, yeah. news agencies and politicians, <laughs> which is kind of the stuff you really don't even want in your <laughs> stuff, right? Like connect 90, you're not going to have any political conversations. Oh right? gosh, no, of course not. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So we still have that, I guess, that mantra, you stay away professionally from like, <laughs> the sex, the politics, the religion, all the yes. stuff we don't talk about it at holiday dinners 
don't put it on social media maybe. So. <laughs> but well, so this has been um, wonderful. And I really, I need to have you back on. I hope it doesn't take another year of me bugging you yeah. to have you come back on. Um, but I hope that you all check her out, check out the links that I'll put in the show notes and see if this is something that can help you out with your workload managers and dentists out there. I know how hard it is to run your practice. So any little bit can help. And I know that she's going to be a good resource to you for you just because she's always been one for me too. So I think, I think you'll like her when you talk to her, but that's going to be it for this edition. Rita, thank you again for being on here. Thank you. And until the next episode of nobody told me that I am always thankful that you take time out of your day and spend it with me. Subscribe to this podcast so you'll get our next candid discussion. Visit Teresa's website, odysseymgmt.com. That's odysseymgmt.com for more information on Teresa's courses, books, and speaking schedule. Subscribe to her newsletter while you're there. Don't say we didn't tell you that.